As Muslim Friday prayers gave way to the Jewish Sabbath, Shabbat, last Friday at sundown in Jerusalem, violence broke out of the Temple Mount. Border police officers closed off the Damascus Gate in the Old City to regain control. Last Friday was the final day of the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, and riot police were called out to quell the violence from Palestinian protesters. Hundreds of demonstrators started throwing rocks, bottles, and other items at police. Several injuries were reported, and arrests were made as reinforcements arrived to dampen the angry protests. Incendiary balloons launched from Gaza caused fires in eight locations in southern Israel on Friday, according to a report from the Israeli military. All this is not really new. Riots in Israel go way back to the first century and the early church. But violence didn't stop the spread of Christianity, and that's still the case today. The spirit of the living God is still moving around the world. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing with you the great story that's all about Jesus as we're beginning a series today called Worshiping with the Early Church. You know, 2,000 years ago, just after Jesus died and was resurrected and ascended, believers faced hard times with persecution. And because of this, they had to worship in secret. Maybe five, maybe ten gathered together. And fear of the authorities, they're gathering in a house and they're saying, please, let's be quiet. Let us whisper because we don't want to be burned. We don't want to be fed to the lions. And they would go down to the catacombs and there maybe they would gather in the darkness with their torches and they would say, the Lord is upon my head like a crown and I shall never be without him. Professor James Charlesworth, he teaches at Princeton, head of the Dead Sea Scrolls Project. And he'll join us again later in the program as we look at the earliest hymn book of the Christian church outside of the Bible. And a little later, we'll be joined by Dr. Lee McDonald, who will share more insight into the history of these early hymns. Now, wouldn't it be amazing to worship with the early church, those very first Christians, to sing praises to God with those who knew Jesus face to face? Well, thanks to the discovery of the earliest Christian hymns dating back to the first century, this is possible. The Odes Project CD is an album transcending the generations of Christianity, reaching down into the roots of our faith. These hymns feature powerful words with unique insight that I believe will touch your heart in a special way. I want to send you a copy of the Odes Project as our way of saying thank you for your much-needed gift to Haven today. So call us after the program, 800-654-2836, 800-654-2836. Or even better, go to our website and there you can listen to samples of all the Odes hymns from this special CD. Our web address, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Now, as we start a new week, there's still time for you to join us in becoming a missionary to Cuba, the greatest revival in the Western Hemisphere. As of last Friday afternoon, we had raised 85% of the $60,000 challenge match between the U.S. and Canada. More gifts are being counted 
but more help is needed to fund our Spanish program, El Faro, that covers the entire country of Cuba every day with good news. So please pray, then give if you haven't given yet. Jesus is on the move in Cuba, just like he was in the early church. So let's open now this haven today with a song that contains the lyrics that they would have sung together in those early days. This is called Ode Number One, Like a Crown. title is He is Like a Crown, here on this special haven today, as we're going back to the earliest hymns outside of the New Testament in the Christian Church. Joining us from Princeton, New Jersey, Professor James Charlesworth, head of the Dead Sea Scrolls Project. Dr. Charlesworth, welcome to Haven Today. What led you to make a new translation from the Odes from Syriac Aramaic into English? Well, it was my dissertation at Duke University, and I had been working on the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls were very important at Duke, and there were more courses there on the Dead Sea Scrolls than in other seminaries. So I went to Duke to study the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then it became obvious that the Odes of Solomon were very important. It had been studied by many scholars, but scholars couldn't decide if it was the first century or the third century, whether it was composed in Syriac or Greek, and uh, what it had to tell us. Obviously, if it was written in the first century and have references to seeing Jesus, that would be quite different than if it was written around 200 and talk about having a vision of Jesus. So or 300 did, in the Gnostics, as the Gnosticism was uh, well, becoming popular. Well, that was the reigning interpretation of the Odes of Solomon. They were a Gnostic hymn book. And that was my first publication, the Odes of Solomon, not Gnostic. Mm-hmm. And it is now accepted around the world. You simply can't brand them and saying they are a Gnostic composition. There may be Gnostic elements in them, but uh, they do not define the whole corpus. Because it has shown up in other languages just besides the Syriac and Aramaic, um, were the odes used by the early church? There is no question. The odes were used in the early church. You have the use of the first person plural, we, and the odes conclude with hallelujah, just as many of our hymns conclude, which is, of course, a Hebrew word, hallelujah, praise be to Yah, Yahweh, God. Mm. 
Now, the odes are extant in Latin, Coptic, Greek, and Syriac. So you're correct. Geographically uh, Well, you have it in places. the Latin world, the Roman Empire. You have it all over the Greek world. You have it in the Syriac-speaking world, which would be anything from Antioch over to Edessa or, or east of Jerusalem, Parthia, the Medes and the Persians. Mm-hmm. And using uh, hallelujah, uh, which, which of course is used so much in the Psalms, but it's used so often in the odes, would be symptomatic, I guess. Well, we know uh, that the hymn book of the temple that Jesus knew was the Psalter of David. Yes. And uh, today we use it in synagogues and in churches around the world. And when we quote a psalm of David, we often say hallelujah. Yes. Because it's in there. Yes. And the odes have been very much shaped by the, the, the Davidic Psalter, the Davidic Psalms, and many of the turns of phrases are absolutely riveting. How would you suggest a Christian in the 21st century use the odes? Uh, is there a use for, for Christian? We have a little bit of some snippets of hymns in the New Testament. We have the Psalter, as you said, which hopefully all Christians use. Should the odes have a place in the in the in the life of a believer and a follower of Jesus? Paul and the early followers of Jesus stressed that when they came together they composed new hymns, they chanted old hymns and they praised God. What we need to recover is the joy and the celebration. Imagine a Jew waiting and waiting and burying his grandfather, then his father, and the last thing the father and the grandfather says is keep waiting, he will come. Now he has come. The author of the Odes of Solomon is thrilled. He's defined by joy. My joy is full and complete. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I would that my joy would be fulfilled in you. Jesus did not have joy in this world. He had a suffering life and he ended up screaming on the cross. But the Odes pick up the Joannine stress and Jesus' comment that we must have joy. What we need now in our churches is this joy and this excitement that God is the creating creator and didn't just create the world and leave it, but he is alive and creating ever new each day. Each day is a new creation. Each day has never existed before. So God is creating and we need to be involved in that joyous celebration of what God is doing in us and for us. How would the early church, perhaps the house church, have used the odes because if they were existing in 125 people who were become followers of Jesus were worshiping in churches there were no formal buildings and they'd left the synagogues at that point uh, what would that worship have been like you're absolutely right to talk about little groups of christians gathering in house churches it was a house in which they gathered it wasn't a church and it wasn't a a huge cathedral Christianity was an underground movement. They were celebrating in the catacombs. Mm -hmm. You're right, the odes take the shape that we now know as the odes of Solomon, about 125. But remember, when you think about when they were composed, some were probably composed as a Jew, Mm -hmm. some probably as uh, under the influence of some forms of Gnosticism, and others under the influence of the Gospel of John, and maybe other areas of early Christianity. But you're right, maybe five, maybe ten, gather together, and fear of the authorities, they're gathering in a house, 
and they're saying, please, let's be quiet. Mm-hmm. Let us whisper because we don't want to be burned. We don't want to be fed to the lions. Mm-hmm. And they would go down to the catacombs, and there maybe they would gather in the darkness with their torches, and they would say, the Lord is upon my head like a crown, and I shall never be without him. And it's a beautiful phrase, the Lord has crowned you with a wreath that is living and full of life. And that life pours through your members, through your mind and through your soul. That's ode number one. I can imagine people saying, that is so beautiful. And it sounds like, Paul, I have fought the great fight and I have endured hardships and the crown of glory is set up for me in heaven. That's what ode one is about. Maybe Paul knew such ideas, but we can't be certain. Special thanks to Professor Charlesworth at Princeton for joining us today here on Haven Today. That's a little bit of one of the earliest hymns of the Christian church set to music by my friend John Schreiner called Alleluia. Now let's go to Arizona and let's meet up with Dr. Lee McDonald, a New Testament and canonical scholar. Lee, welcome to Haven Today. How did you personally discover the odes. Well, interestingly, uh, Jim Charlesworth was the first one to mention them to me, uh, uh, but I had read them uh, in his uh, Old Testament pseudepigraphal volumes. He has them uh, translated there, and he did the translation, and it's a bit more academic than the one that you have uh, uh, here, Mm -hmm. the more popular version. But uh, I was intrigued by them, and then he asked me... uh, if I would uh, consider uh, writing a paper on it. And I said, well, let me think about it. And I got back to him and I said, yeah, I think I could. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how it got started. How old are the Odes of Solomon? Well, the Odes of Solomon are probably written sometime around the uh, end of the first century AD uh, to not much later than about 125 AD. Uh, I think probably we're closer to 100 to 110 AD. And so that would make it the oldest collection of Christian hymns that we have outside of those in the New Testament. Mm. That's pretty amazing to think of that, isn't it? Yeah. In the uh, you as a New Testament scholar, of course, have studied early church history as well, besides the New Testament. Who do you think wrote the odes? Well, uh, the best that uh, we can come up with, no one knows, uh, there's no name attached to it, of course, but it was clearly a person who was Jewish, mm-hmm. and at times he was anti-Gentile. Uh, he has some bias against them. Uh, but As did every Jew in that day, yes. Well, uh, that was one of the struggles, of course. Some places still in, do. Uh, one of the struggles in early Christianity was to deal with the, the inclusion of Gentiles into the church, uh, because there was a bias against them at the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, this person is probably... Uh, a background in uh, the Qumran community or the Essene Jews, uh, whether Qumran or not, the Essenes were scattered throughout uh, the land of Israel in the time of Jesus. And uh, as a result, uh, this person probably was converted to faith in Christ, joined the church, and because he was also fairly, uh, there's a number of parallels between the Gospel of John and uh, the Odes of Solomon, he may well have also been a disciple of John the Apostle. 
We don't know that for sure. Mm. I mean, this is all guesswork, but there's a lot of similarities in the language between the Gospel of John and the Odes of Solomon and between some of the writings at uh, Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls, as well as the, uh, and the, uh, the Odes of Solomon. So we put a composite together and say, we don't have a name, but we have a person that's likely to have uh, written them. And this was a pious Jewish Christian, probably coming from an Essene background, probably about the uh, first part of the second century A.D. And the reason we put it there is uh, there are a number, there's at least 10 citations of that work in the second century alone, and they all go back to the Odes of Solomon. We have a listing of those. Mm. Do the odes minister to you? You listen to the musical version by John Schreiner that we're airing on Haven today. Do do they reach your heart as well as your mind? Well, uh, as you know, the uh, variety of expressions of music on these odes. Yes, different styles. Sure. Some of them bless me beyond measure, and some of them don't do much for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the message of the odes, I, I rather enjoy. And I say there's nothing heretical about them, and they certainly uh, could be used in Christian churches today, very much like uh, Christians adopting uh, music for the songs and hymns that are found in the New Testament and in the Old. Is so, there a favorite one you have? I know sometimes the odes put words together that you just sense the writer knew the Lord Jesus Christ or had met him along his spiritual journey. Is there one that well, ministers to you? I, I like the one that's close to the opening on the, um, on the, the music. I'm leaning, uh, rather, I'm putting on the love of the Lord. And that uh, I've been in a group where we all sang that antiphonally, and it was, uh, it was a wonderful experience. It's, it's a very spiritual uh, collection of songs. And I'm delighted that they've come to the foreground now in uh, in uh, popular Christian uh, movements and uh, uh, due, of course, to uh, Chuck Fromm and, and his associates, John Schreiner, and who I've met. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very pleased with the quality of the work that they, they've uh, put in to uh, making them accessible to a broader audience. I'm putting on the love of the
if you just joined us, you're listening to a very special Haven Today that we're calling Worshiping with the Early Church. And that was ode number three called, I'm Putting on the Love of the Lord. That may even be my favorite. Now, back to Dr. McDonald. Lee, it seems there's a resurgence in the church today, especially among a younger generation, to get back to biblical truth and the biblical way of doing things. Many want to go back to the way the early church practiced. And yet you believe, don't you, that the odes were the earliest liturgy in the church of Jesus Christ and part of how they worshiped in the first century. Sure. And and the New Testament actually underscores that. Uh, in uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, we read, Do not be drunken with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Mm-hmm. The term uh, songs is odes. Uh, mm-hmm. spiritual songs, nematicoists, uh, spiritual odes or songs, and uh, making melody in your heart. That was a part of early Christianity. And when you think about it, the Old Testament has a whole collection of psalms that were sung. The Psalter, what we call it, 150 psalms in uh, mm-hmm. our Old Testaments, mm-hmm. those were sung. And uh, there are a number of examples of early Christians uh, including psalms and hymns mm. in their collections of sacred writings. The same thing is true at Qumran in the Dead Sea Scrolls. You have the uh, the Hodeoit, uh, which is a, a collection of thanksgiving hymns, plus a host of uh, psalms, about half of which are equal to or the same as the psalms we have in our Old Testament, but there's quite a few others. Spiritual songs were a part of the life of the early Jewish community and the early Christian community. In the New Testament, uh, the book that Jesus cites the most is the Psalter, the mm-hmm. Psalms. Mm-hmm. And his theology was not, I go to the Bible for my theology and I go to the hymn book for inspiration, but uh, in the Jewish and Christian world in antiquity, they brought those together. If I'm just listening to the Odes of Solomon for the first time. Uh, I'm not a scholar, and I don't know church history. I'm hearing you say that these are not in error. They don't detract from the scripture. How should I approach the Odes? Are they good for me to use in my own personal meditation and worship and prayer to the Lord? I think our faith needs to be anchored in scripture, but I see no problem with us using these other means that God graciously has given to us through gifted people throughout church history.
My Joy is in the Lord, here on A Haven Today, Ode number 7, a program called Worshiping with the Early Church. And a special thanks to Professor James Charlesworth and Dr. Lee McDonald for being part of the program here on Haven Today. I hope you've been blessed by the songs that you've just heard. I know I have been. Wouldn't it be amazing to worship with the first Christians, to sing praises to God with those who had met Jesus face to face? Well, thanks to the discovery of the earliest Christian hymns outside the Bible, you can do that. The words that we have from the Odes, the oldest hymns recorded outside of those in the New Testament, are most unique. The music is special. It'll touch your heart in a remarkable way. I want to send you a copy of the Odes Project as our way of saying thank you for your gift to the ministry. Remember, we are listener-supported. So if the program is a blessing to you, especially this program, just call us right now and ask for the Odes Project when you make your gift. Our number is 800-654-2836. That's 800-654-2836. Or better yet, go to our website and listen to samples of all the odes from this special CD. And you can also watch the video that we posted with Dr. James Charlesworth. Our web address is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And don't forget, it's not too late to be a missionary to Cuba with your matching gift to help support Christian radio for that island nation. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we'll share together the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Here today, gone tomorrow. That's how life comes at us. It's enough to make your efforts and struggles seem meaningless. In Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 and throughout the book, we read the word vanity or meaninglessness. 36 times it's used. It's the Hebrew word hevel, a term that conjures up the image of vapor. You see it for a moment and then it's gone. The preacher says that's what life is, just a breath. If that's true, then isn't it meaningless? But with Christ, there's hope. He gives us his spirit, the breath of God. With him, our vapor-like lives are transformed. From changing diapers to winning souls, everything is meaningful when the spirit breathes life on us. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.